This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Good morning and welcome to the show, everyone. It is the Monday after the end of the regular season, commonly known as Black Monday. A wild week 17 in the NFL as it stands. Uh, it's going to go down for the record books for a number of reasons. Uh, bizarre playoff scenarios that occurred, but uh, we're going to get right to it. I'm going to bring my dad on, uh, just uh, talk about uh, some of the games that happened and just get some of the thoughts on the coach, uh, coach firings that are taking place throughout the NFL what was justified, what seemed unreasonable, where some of these teams are going, because there's a hodgepodge of different things going on uh, in the NFL uh, this year. And, uh, you know, it's it, it was a time for change, but we saw a lot of teams just not have a clue what they were doing. So let's get right into it. I'll bring my dad on and we'll get into it. Yeah, so Kelly, now that I got you on, you know, we we had we were already getting some of the coach firings coming in uh, because uh, it just got announced that Vance Joseph yeah, Vance, got fired. Vance Joseph, and, yeah, and and the Vance Joseph situation we'll, we'll talk about it a bit too. But we also have our rookie head coach firing of the year in Steve Wilkes out in Arizona. So let, let, let's get into uh, some of these because we had Dirk Cutter get fired yesterday. We had Todd Bowles get fired yesterday as well. So we got four coaches uh, four coaches fired already. We have a possible fifth coming along the way in Miami with Adam Gase. That's a, a tenuous situation at best, uh, depending on who Miami can uh, – they think they, they'll be able to interview because it's not as though they really want to keep Gase. They just don't have a plan in place as to who the next guy is going to be. So yeah, well, the 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 Steve Wilkes firing, I I, I don't know, I, I I I that that one is a head scratcher because you never gave him anything. You 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 put Sam Bradford there, and you know Sam Bradford looked like the headlights from the first game. So Sam Bradford, you, you, you set Sam, up Sam Bradford came to Arizona to collect the paycheck. He had no intention of playing NFL football as a quarterback. He came to collect the paycheck. Let, let, let's just be clear, because Sam Bradford got benched because he wouldn't like step into throws. He wouldn't take a hit. He wouldn't deliver passes. Like he wouldn't perform the jobs, uh, job duties of an NFL quarterback. So right off the bat, like you you start off with a flawed premise that you draft a rookie quarterback, you're gonna have a veteran there to teach him. 
the veteran wasn't even interested in doing the job. He he wasn't interested in, in actually being a starting quarterback, and he, he wasn't doing a mentoring because there was no development of, like, I can give Josh McCown credit because you saw how much Josh McCown was bringing along Sam Darnold throughout the year, like, just talking to him during games, like, being actively engaged. Like, Sam Bradford, you know, as much as we used to rip on Jay Cutler, and Jay Cutler absolutely deserved to get ripped on for the lack of effort he showed throughout his tenure as an NFL player. Sam Bradford was checked out pretty much this entire season for Arizona. No one talks about it because it's Arizona and no one really cares. But, you know, for as great a career as Larry Fitzgerald has had, the fact that he was saddled with such ineptitude from his own organization the last couple of years of his career is truly sad because, again, Steve Wilkes got fired uh, on a 3-13 team that had no chance of success. There, there was no way that team was going to be successful. No. The, the, that offensive line was a joke. No, from day one. The, the biggest signing the offensive line made was bringing in Justin Pugh, who was injury-prone for the Giants, and was a shell of himself after a couple of injuries. Like, that's not the same Justin Pugh who played for us in the first two years of his career. He's he's a different guy now. He can't do the athletic things he used to be able to do. So he's a below-average uh, offensive guard that you paid big money to and could never live up to that. Like, they're, they're, like as soon as I saw that signing, I, I was, I was kind of glad because I was like, I'm glad the Giants didn't commit that money because I knew he couldn't live up to that contract. He was done. But, you know, again, I look, hey, at, I, I look at this as a, as a case of an organization that didn't know what it was doing because they didn't expect Bruce Arians to retire. And so with Arians gone, they really didn't know what they were looking for in a coach. And so they just pretty much hired Steve Wilkes because of recommendations. They didn't actually do a fully thought-out process as to what the vision of the team was going to be. It, it was always a hodgepodge because – uh, Arizona, from the outset, like from what they did in terms of signings, letting Teron Matthew go, uh, this team always felt as though it was trying to tank. And I get completely why Patrick Peterson was demanding a trade from the team because it was obvious from the outset this team was looking to tank. And, you know, the fact that they didn't trade yeah. Patrick Peterson, you know, yeah, I I can't understand what they were trying to do, but like whatever plan they have in place, it, I, it, I I'd be curious to figure out what uh, find out what it is because I, I see a team that wasted an entire year of David Johnson in his prime, wasted the end of Larry Fitzgerald's uh, tenure in the NFL because if I'm Larry Fitzgerald, why am I coming back for another year of football with a team this inept? The I I mean. It's going to take two years to get this team into a good spot in order to be competitive in the NFL. And they actually have to draft well and develop players because they wasted the core talent that was already on this team. And those guys are walking out the door. So it's going to take two years. Why am I coming back if I'm Larry Fitzgerald? It doesn't make any sense. So that's why when you fire Steve Wilkes, I look at it and I'm saying, these guys really don't know what they're doing because they didn't have a plan really to begin with. Yeah, I, I, you you gave Steve Wilkes a job, and you gave him no materials to work with. 
absolutely none. There was nobody. There was nobody in the in 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 in, in the industry who who looked at Arizona and said, "Yeah, they look like they're gonna be. They look like they're gonna be good this year," because they did nothing. And, and let me tell you something. <clears throat> Wilson might end up being a pretty good quarterback. I still think the guy in Buffalo. You know, now, you know, I, I, I yeah, but I think Rosen going to be okay. The problem I have with, with Arizona is that that line is, is, is not good enough to protect him. And he's a kind of injury-prone quarterback. And you saw it yesterday. They almost they got his arm hit. Yeah. You know? The management, the management in Arizona should be shot. I'm telling you, for what they did, they stayed too long with, 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 with and never dropped a quarterback, even though year after year. Like, Arizona had multiple huh? chances to replace Carson Palmer. They they could have traded like the Arizona had enough uh, capital in terms of draft picks because yeah. they they had a talented squad. They could have drafted Carson Wentz. They could have drafted Deshaun Watson. They could have had their shot at uh, Pat Mahomes. They could have drafted any number of quarterbacks to take over the role for they uh, had, Palmer they and had not just a step. Look, certainly they never even drafted a quarterback. Not even in the late rounds. They I, never tried to drop I mean, a quarterback. And Carson Palmer got injured at the end of the season multiple times that cost them chances in the playoffs. The, the comical, and they still didn't address it the next year. The comical thing is, uh, the comical thing about the, the Cardinals is that the year they should have drafted a quarterback and it would have cost them nothing was the year they could have drafted Dak Prescott. Like draft, uh, Dak Prescott was a fourth round pick, and honestly, it was tailor made for the Cardinals. Like, if you go back and look at Dak Prescott, like w- the timing of Dak Prescott's draft, the Cowboys didn't need Dak Prescott. Like, they they did it as a flyer, you know, you know, in case of emergency because uh, Jerry wanted Menzel and Stephen, yeah, and it worked Steve, out good for them. And, yeah. and Stephen Jones talked them out of it and said, "No, we'll get a quarterback." But, like, there's this other guy, Dak Prescott, we can get much later. But, honestly, the Cardinals were in much more of a need of a backup quarterback because of how injury-prone Carson Palmer was. Because Carson Palmer was more injury-prone than Romo. Like, at that point, Romo, yes, he got injured a couple of times. But, like, Carson Palmer was always one hit away from that knee from retiring completely. Like, it was always a tenuous, at best, stretch with Carson Palmer. Uh, And, you know, I, I... I just like kind of shook my head at it because you know we always kept saying like we don't understand what the Cardinals are doing because Carson Palmer could go out at any given moment and the season would be over because they have nothing else in terms of guys who could actually throw the football down the field and we saw it year after year and then last year I mean you know again Carson Palmer goes down <laughs> there was nothing it's like the season was officially over like at by week four and again. Like, the Cardinals, like, it's like, okay, yeah, Carson Palmer's going to retire. Okay, uh, oh, oh, Bruce, you're retiring. Why would you retire? Of course Bruce Aaron's retired because he saw that you guys were inept. 
Like Bruce Arians wanted uh, didn't yeah, yeah. Bruce Arians couldn't quit from the Cardinals because you can't quit from uh, head, uh being a head coach in the NFL. It's like you can't remove yourself. You have to get fired because like no NFL owner is going to hire a guy who quits on his team. So what Bruce Arians did was say he was retiring. He really wanted to keep coaching, but he knew he was never going to go anywhere with the Cardinals organization being this inept. So he retired, did the broadcasting gig. And now, because there's a potential for some of these openings, like the Cleveland job, he threw his hat back into the ring. It's not that he he, he wanted to retire. It's just that he knew he was never going to do anything with the Cardinals, so he had to get himself out of that situation. Oh, yeah. Anybody who knows Bruce Arians, and you ever listen to him talk, there's no way he wanted to stop coaching. But when you work for a bunch of assholes, he didn't, just, he didn't retire. He ran away from the game. He, because he had to get out of there. He wasn't going to win, you know, because they're setting him up to fail, which is the same thing I said with Steve Wilkes. He got set up to fail, you know, because I want to know, what did the Cardinals expect from that team this year, the way they set it up? You tell me what you expect from that team. You know, you know like, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember... When the Cardinals hired Sam, when they got Sam Bradford, the first thing Reggie Wayne said is, oh, my God, they screwed him up for my man Larry. Now you know there's no chance that he's ever going to a Super Bowl before he retires. You know? So it's, it's not like anybody thought anything different. They knew what was going on. Yeah. You know? So it's, it, 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 you know, the NFL might have to go in and take over. Um, Right now, the Cardinals have replaced the Bronx as the worst management in the NFL. I, I'm serious. Well, you know. well, we, we could have a contender in Denver because uh, let's get into the Vance Joseph situation. Uh, Van- <laughs> Vance Joseph. What? So, and, and I'll so, be, I'll so be what do you want to tell me? The Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, <laughs> uh, you, 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 those things didn't work out? You trying to tell me that? <laughs> Because here's the thing. I don't think Vance Joseph is cut out to be a head coach because I think his forte really is to be a defensive coordinator. And because I saw things slipping on the Broncos that really shouldn't have been slipping. But to put this blame squarely mm. on, on Vance Joseph is ridiculous, That the narrative I hear from folks. Because the bottom line is, you know, Vance Joseph's not the guy picking quarterbacks. That's John Elway. The uh, the Broncos in the last three years since Peyton Manning has retired rank thirty first in quarterback rating. Thirty first yeah. out of thirty two NFL I, teams. And Peyton was a gift. Like the Peyton was a gift. It didn't develop him. Yeah, it, it, you know the the only team that had worse uh, in terms of quarterback rating. Uh, was go- was actually technically going back to uh, what, what you were seeing with uh, 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 Tennessee at times, but that's because Tennessee uh, was constantly injured uh, with uh, Mariota and then Jacksonville. Like, again, because of Blake Bortles being Blake Bortles. Like, this is what I'm, uh, what I'm getting at. Like, Vance Joseph, even for his failures as managing uh, and delegating as a head coach, I don't really see how much better anyone else would have done with that group of players 
with a quarterbacking core so poor? Because the best quarterback the Broncos had in those three years was Trevor Simeon, who no one really had confidence in. And they traded him in the offseason because they, you know, L.A. just got tired of seeing him around. And because he had his, he, he wanted to justify the Case Keenum signing, he had to get rid of Simeon because as soon as Case Keenum struggled, everyone was going to be looking to Simeon. And, you know, the, mm. at the end of the day, we knew Case Keenum was not going to be a good QB this year. We thought last year was a fluke. It was. But at the end of the day, Elway has got to be able to evaluate these quarterbacks better. It, it, there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, Kirk Cousins turned out to be who we thought he was in terms of being a phony. But at the same time, Elway has got to be able to identify who in free agency can actually do the job or do I need to draft another QB and just and take the hail of criticism from fans and media alike for drafting a QB? Because to me, like this was a case where you had enough rookie QBs where you have a decent enough defense. Like this isn't a case where it's the Giants and you have multiple holes to fill and you and realistically one player wasn't going to make a lick of difference. The Broncos actually had a playoff caliber team outside of the quarterback position. Like they like the offensive line was getting yeah. better. They just needed to get anyone in there. So like this was a case where the Broncos actually needed to trade up and give up draft picks again and just get into the first round and draft the QB. Because the free agency quarterbacks all were, were all busts in my opinion. Outside of Teddy Bridgewater who was basically signed to be a backup because no uh, like no NFL GM had the balls to actually sign him to be a starter. If you look at it, Alex Smith was underachieving in Washington before he broke his leg, unfortunately. But Alex Smith was not playing well. The, uh, we'll talk about Kirk Cousins in a bit, but like Kirk Cousins was an unmitigated disaster in Minnesota. No matter how much stat padding they did to make him look good, Kirk Cousins was a disaster. Case Keenum could not throw a forward pass down the field 30 yards with any accuracy. Like, Case Keenum was a mess this year for the Broncos. And, you know, when you keep going down the line, like like Bradford we talked about, like, there there weren't any good free agent, uh, free agent quarterbacks. But that doesn't mean you give them, you sign them, saying it's going to be different this time. And that's what uh, Elway did. Elway didn't want to take the criticism of folks saying, why are you trying to draft another rookie QB when you failed twice already? So he tried to go on the cheap. But he really didn't go that cheap because Case Keenum got paid a lot of money to be mediocre. Yeah, he got paid big money. Yeah, and it it was an it was a complete disaster because again we know Case Keenum is Case Keenum. Like this was not news, and for anyone who's saying that oh they should have signed Nick Foles, Nick Foles is not good either. Nick Foles is a byproduct of being in a very fortunate situation where. He has great talent around him in Philly, and it's a system that is the only system he can be successful in. Like, drawing down the field and being aggressive the way Andy Reid had him in Philadelphia, that's the only way Nick Foles can be successful. He can't run any other NFL offense. And his limitations as a QB is why teams would be idiotic to sign him in the offseason. Someone will, 
It's and and people are throwing around his name on talk radio for the Giants to sign Nick Foles. I I I, I would punch a wall if that actually happened because that'd be the dumbest thing ever. But like literally, this was a weak free agency quarterback class. I thought Kirk Cousins was actually different. I was wrong. I'll admit that. But none of these guys panned out at all. Like none of them. Yeah, well, I keep hearing that Nick Foles thing. About, and, and look, somebody is going to pay Nick Foles money this year. Okay? Somebody's going to pay money. But what I want people to remember is Nick Foles started this year. The world people talking about Nick Foles is like if the only time you saw Nick Foles in the Super Bowl is when he came back when, when um, Wentz was injured. Nick Foles started the season. What was the record? You know, the, the, the Nick Foles that ended the, the Super Bowl what, didn't start the season the way, you know, I mean, if you remember that first game at Atlanta, the crowd started booing them. You know, they were booing them. Booed them off the field. So, yeah, I, I, I don't want people to, you know, people keep talking about, oh, it's, it's amazing the way he does this. And, 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 you know, you know, it's like the team responds. How come they didn't respond to him in the first four games of the season? I, I don't know if people realize that Nick Foles started. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know. It, they, they, they keep acting like, like, like they, they, you know, he didn't play another game since the Super Bowl. You know, if the Giants sign Nick Foles, I'll I, I, be glad to get rid of all my Giants memorabilia. Because it will be the dumbest thing. That, that 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 they could ever do, you know. Look, you know what you know what Nick Foles does. He plays like he can only play when it's house money. Yes, because where Philadelphia was when he took over again from Wentz, he had nothing house to lose. Money. If, nothing if he to lose at the beginning of the season. With 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 a a backup quarterback sitting on the bench, like Nick feels like he can't play. But with the back against the wall and there's no nothing else, he's great. But that's 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 what happened last year. But that's the thing. It's it's what we talk about with Fitzpatrick all the time. The whole Fitzmagic thing only works if there's nothing to play for. If it's house money. And he's just going out there with zero expectations. Guys like that can function because they don't ha- they don't feel the pressure. They don't have to worry about it. Like when people talk about like Nick Foles' Super Bowl run, like I, I want to be clear about this. Like what actually transpired during the Super Bowl run? They should have lost the the Atlanta game. It was a complete screw up by the Falcons. Why the Eagles didn't get eliminated right off the jump? Now, if if we're being honest with ourselves in terms of the Super Bowl run for the Eagles, like, going back to last year, a lot of that, again, you know, nobody, like, we're underdogs, no one respects us, this, that, and the other. A lot of that was predicated on the fact. That's it. They they played out of their minds because they kept feeling as though they were disrespected. Like they should have lost that Atlanta game. They should have lost the Atlanta game. There's 
like they were that poor against Atlanta. They should have lost that Atlanta game. Atlanta gave them that game away, like by just being idiots. And then the Vikings Matt game. Ryan. Well, you know, our 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 favorite guy, Matt Ryan, the guy who does less with more. Uh, yeah. You know, if it, if it wasn't yeah, if, right. if, if, yeah. if, if it wasn't for Kirk Cousins this year, like Matt Ryan would win the did less with more award for quarterbacks because Kirk, uh, like Kirk Cousins was the, the guy who took the cake this year, but usually that award goes to Matt Ryan. But um, like the Vikings game, the Vikings were so flat for that game because of the fact that they had no business being there. I still think that the Saints win that game in Philly, even though the Saints don't play well on the road. Like the the, the Saints probably take care of business against that Eagles team. Because if you look at it objectively, the Vikings were so flat for that game because they were ha- just happy to be there. They weren't focused for the actual game at hand. I mean, people talk about it as saying as though, you know, if they had a quarterback, that would have been, like, the Vikings defense w- didn't even bother showing up for that game. And then in the Super Bowl, we talked about this at length. Like, the whole Malcolm Butler situation screwed that game up royally for the Patriots, and they never recovered from that. It, it wasn't even close. Yeah, well, so the 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 thing that amazed me about the the um the Vikings thing. This is what I never understood with the Kirk Cousins signing. What part of that championship game did you see where? And, and it's not like I am saying that Keenum is is this great quarterback, but where did you see in that game? That it was because of Keenum that you lost that game. Where? Where, Where's the bad plays that Keenum made? You got beat because your defense never showed up. They stayed in the dressing room. You know, it's not like if if, uh, if we had a quarterback who could have moved the ball, uh, we'd have win the game. You didn't lose the game there. You didn't lose the game. Keenum did exactly what he did in all the other games. And if the defense had helped him out, they probably win that game. That's why I never understood this, giving Kirk Cousins all this money. It's like, the only thing we got to fix is that quarterback, and we win in the Super Bowl. Well, go back and check now and see what, what's wrong. It wasn't the only thing, and that was not the problem. Yeah. It's the same thing I say about the Giants. People just look around and say, Eli's old. That's why we're looking bad. No. No. Nobody would have su- su- you know, so when they when they talk about it, this, this kind of nonsense, it, it, it's not going to work. And I <clears throat> and I still think you're talking about Elway. I think oh, oh God, I, I keep forgetting the um the Buffalo quarterback, uh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, I thought. He was sitting right there. I thought he would have taken him. I thought he would have taken him. But he screwed up. I think the thing you said is the exact thing. He 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 got he panicked because he screwed up the last two times. So like he scared people say, "We take another quarterback," you know. So that's why he passed on him, you know. But it's it, it, it's. 
Elway has to take some of this blame because, okay, you put another coach in there next year, but you really think that, that that's going to solve the thing? You don't have a quarterback. You don't have a quarterback. You still don't have a quarterback. You know? Yeah. Oh, we got we got some more breaking news. Uh, okay, we got more breaking news. So, uh, Adam Gase has been fired by the Dolphins. And in news that we never thought was actually going to happen, Marvin Lewis has finally left the Cleveland, I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals have finally fired. Wait, 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 wait. Did he get fired or did he leave? Because Marvin, like, he owns that team, you know. Uh, they're they're saying that the 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 uh, the news just broke like uh, five minutes ago. Uh, they're saying the Bengals have parted ways with Marvin Lewis. So you say that Marvin Lewis say he's not going to show those dirty pictures that he has of somebody in the Bengals in the Bengals family because you know, I, I I I you know. I have no idea why Marvin Lewis coached this year. <laughs> no one does. No one. I have no idea because if you watch, if you watch the Bengals this year, did Marvin look like he was actually coaching? <laughs> I mean, honestly, did you at any point in this season say, "Hey, Marvin, he's doing a lousy job or he's doing a good job"? It was just like a non-story. I have no idea why Marvin came back. I, I, I look at the Bengals, and yes, they had injuries, but the truth of the matter is, is that you know, the Bengals doing its time were were just so just going through the motions. Like Andy Dalton is pretty much done as an NFL QB, and the Bengals seem to be the last team to recognize that because like the mistakes Dalton keeps making, he hit the wall two years ago and they kept riding the kicking the tires on him anyway. Yeah. So like, it it was just one of those where they just, they were just going through the motions. So like they brought back Marvin Lewis for no reason other than again, like I said, some of these teams, you know, you can just tell they have no idea what they're really doing, so they don't know what else to do, and they're just like, okay, um, whatever. Look, let, let, let me show you something. If I'm the Cleveland Bronx, I leave Greg Williams let's see how far we can roll with him. I wouldn't go crazy trying to bring in somebody to pay them money. Roll the dice. I did with Greg Williams. He happened there already. The team kind of responded okay to him. So far, I would roll the dice right there with Greg Williams. And I bet you have to pay less than 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 going to pay somebody who you bring in. To me, that's I I would do that. Well, see, here's here's. The I don't thing. know how good a coach could be. Here here's the thing with the Brown situation. I don't think the Browns situation is sustainable with Greg Williams because I think you actually have to bring in a co- head coach with enough gravitas to rein in Baker Mayfield because long-term, there's no way Baker Mayfield can keep being 
as much of a prick as he is without a head coach reining him in because sooner or later some team some player is going to go rogue and take a real cheap shot on him even though they shouldn't they're going to take a cheap shot on him because Mayfield rubs so many people the wrong way you can only you can only play with that kind of edge and just be that uh, that chippy with people before they start taking shots it's like he gets away with it because he's a quarterback and you can't touch quarterbacks but sooner or later he's just going to piss off the wrong guy and it's going to and it's gonna, it's going to end badly for Mayfield like as 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 talented as he is his attitude is actually going to get him in more trouble than it's worth cuz like you can play with an edge because Philip Rivers plays with an edge he he's one of the biggest trash talkers in the league but it's like Mayfield takes it to another level where it's just disrespectful that's why so many guys keep jawing at him and going after him after they beat Mayfield because they they really want to stick it to him but like sooner or later he's gonna piss off a guy enough where they go rogue and they take a cheap shot on him and get him hurt and then everyone's gonna be like oh well well, like you're supposed to protect the quarterback but he brings it on himself that's why you know it's better to bring in a coach that can rein him in now and at least help him dial it back a little bit without taking off the edge that like motivates him to be productive. That's the thing with the Browns. Like Greg Williams is not that guy. Greg Williams is still the bounty gate guy. That's like screw it. Let, let, let's let's play without rules. Let, let's uh, let's motivate players. Let's go for headshots. Like let let's be let's be let's be wild men out there. It's like and it's and it it was great for the little run Cleveland was on. Like. They ha- they they definitely push teams to the limit, but like the way I look at it, long term, you got to be able to rein in uh, rein in Baker Mayfield. It's like you can't run, let him run wild like a wild horse. It's like it's in a way where what would have happened to Brett Favre's career if Mike Holmgren wasn't there because Favre was a wild man, like through and through. I mean, he still made some of the same dumb mistakes that he always made in his career. But, you know, at least, like, Holmgren reined him in enough where it wasn't as many egregious mistakes. Because, like, the first couple of years of Favre's career, like, you saw, like, oh, God. And it's like, what the hell is he doing? It's like, and, and Holmgren talked about it all the time. And Mariucci talked about it all the time because Mariucci was the quarterback coach about how crazy Favre was. Like, I see a lot of similar qualities in Mayfield. But, like, Mayfield has that, like, nasty edge to him that you don't see in quarterbacks. You see it in defensive players. But, like, Mayfield has a nasty streak in him that you really don't see out of the quarterback position. But there oh, is, yeah, there's yeah, a reason yeah. why. It's like, you, you, like, the reason why you don't see the yeah, nasty he, edge in the quarterback is that, you know, you can napalm bridges with, uh, with teammates and opposing players very quickly with that kind of mean streak as a quarterback. Because people resent quarterbacks because they make the most yeah, well, money yeah. and they don't get hit. Mm. Yeah, he um, Mayfield is is the snotty, the snotty rich kid on the block. He, 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 he acts like that. You know, he never lets anything pass. You know, uh, he, he he needs to come back and remind you. You know, because I mean. I didn't see the need for him to the the thing with him and Hugh Jackson and you know with, with the Bengals game. Uh, I didn't see the need to do that. Hugh Jackson is not a Bengals coach. He's just working there, you know. So uh, he he just he, he needs to remind you. 
uh, whatever. You know, so, yeah. But, I mean, I, I would, you know, I, I, guess, I guess it's true what you said, you know. I guess it's true what you said that, you know, I mean the brown the Browns that, get, that, the, that I mean if the Browns but, aren't if but, the Browns aren't focused on Baker Mayfield being the franchise QB for a decade, you can let Greg Williams roll, and I think the Browns can be successful next year too by like being a reckless team that does it. But like it's it's kind of in the way where I I talked about this with the Jags, like you can be that flamboyant and flagrant and like talk that uh, t- uh, talk a lot of trash. And, but, like, eventually some of that stuff comes back around at you because when you hype every game up like it's the Super Bowl, eventually it's going to come crashing down on you hard because everyone's going to geek up to play you. And that's where I see out of Mayfield. It's the, it's the same thing I talked about with the Jags and their defense with Jalen Ramsey never shutting up, is that they made every game into a Super Bowl for the other team. So they, they put the bullseye on their back. So you have to play above and beyond every single week in the NFL, and it's not sustainable. So it's like you're going to have years where you're just going to crash and burn because of that. And, you know, that that's the thing. It's like I could see Cleveland being successful next year, but the year after that, it's going to be a crash and burn scenario. It's like that's it's not a sustainable model like playing at that kind of level where you're constantly ginning up every single interaction you have with a team. It, it's just not sustainable. Yeah, it, 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 the, 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 the thing about Jalen Ramsey, I guess it's, 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 it's the social media thing now, because Ray Lewis never shut up, but Ray Lewis, all his things was for his players. Yeah. You understand? He talked, 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 but was for his players. The problem with Mayfield and Ramsey and them is they keep talking about the opposition. It's like it's like LeVar Ball. You know, he set his son up to get you know, for everybody to take a shot at him, talking about he's going to be the best. and da, 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 da. That's a problem, you know. And, and I knew sooner or later, you know, when, when Jalen picked right after the draft to start rating quarterbacks and who was trash and who wasn't trash, and I'm like, you, you, you realize you're going to be playing against some of these guys soon, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, so, it was like that, that was the easiest bet of the season for me was betting against the Jags this year. Everyone kept talking about it, like how I, I could bet the Jags want to make the playoffs this year. But I honestly felt confident in that one because to me, the Jags had backed themselves into a corner and I knew Blake Bortles hadn't improved at all as a quarterback. It was very predictable to figure out how that Jags team would fall apart. And I and I and I and I also think that yeah. Doug, Doug Marone's. It, I still think Doug Marone is very precariously close to joining every single one of these coaches in the unemployment line because, again, I don't see where the Jags turn that thing around in a season, other than trading away every single one of those players. Like the the reason why Pete Carroll got away with it is because of how good Russell Wilson is. You have a quarterback in Russell Wilson, so he can cover up things like that in Seattle when you like just overhaul the entire team to keep the head coach and the quarterback in place and just rebuild from there. Jacksonville doesn't have that. Like they got yeah. a they got a they got a disgruntled running back in Leonard Fournette that Tom Coughlin can't stand. 
Like, Tom Coughlin just put Leonard Fournette and TJ Yeldon on blast yesterday for being completely unprofessional. You know Tom Coughlin's thinking about trading them. He's thinking about trading Jalen Ramsey. Coughlin wants to clean house, but I don't know if Doug Marone has shown anything as a head coach to justify he's the guy you're going to trust to rebuild your team. That's the thing I see happening but with Jacksonville. I I think the thing that saved Doug Marone this year is that the management and some of the players made commitment to Bortles. And you clearly saw from, from day one that he was going to be the problem on the team. And so I think they gave Marone a pass because Bortles played so bad that you couldn't, like, say, well, maybe the play call was this. Because, look, as bad as that defense played at the end of the year, for the first four games, that defense was killing people. Oh, yeah. But they were lo- they, 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 they won. They won the Giants game, and I think they, they, they won beat, the they Patriots, beat the Patriots. They, they beat the Patriots. And, it was the defense. And, and then you started the Giants should have beaten them. Then you started seeing the cracks because then they lose the next game to they lose the next game to Tennessee nine to six. Then they 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 stomped the Jets because the Jets were a mess at the time. But then yeah. they go on. They lose seven straight games. And all those games yeah. that they lost, like the defense was giving up tons of uh, points and yardage, but the offense was so inept that they kept putting the defense in bad situations the entire time. That's right. what fractured the team. It was like the Bortles kept turning the ball over in terrible spots, and the defense couldn't couldn't bail them out because you know sometimes that happens. Like other teams are other teams can execute well too on offense. Like that's the thing that uh, the Jaguars never quite got over. Once the uh, the air of invincibility left that defense, they didn't have anything to hang their hat on. So then it became a finger no. pointing contest. Yeah, the the the, the defense kind of said, "Don't worry, we can hold. We um we just give us something, uh, and we we'll shut them out." But he gave them nothing. He gave them nothing. And after a while, it like it started to wear on them and, and they just couldn't hold up anymore. You know, I, I keep hearing people say the defense um, underachieved this year. Not if you put in the first four games. Not yeah. really. Yeah, no. They, that they, defense didn't give up points. They, 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 phoned, you know? it, they phoned it in. Like, the, the moment I knew the Jags were truly – because, I, I, like I said, I, I thought they were in trouble beforehand coming into the year. But the game that confirmed it for me was the Dallas game where Ezekiel Elliott ran all over them. But the reason why Zeke was able to run all over them was they got tired in the second half because Bortles couldn't move the ball. They couldn't move the ball so that they were constantly on the field. And, like, you know, when other teams are just running it down your throat and you're tired and making tackle after tackle after tackle, eventually you get really pissed off. And in the post game, because like that happened, like that was the first real time you you started hearing Jalen Ramsey talk about like uh, things going on in the locker room that guys aren't being honest with themselves. That's where you started hearing the division in the locker room, and they never recovered from that. It was over at that point. 
Uh-huh. Hey, hey, look, I, I, I mean, did you watch any part of that game yesterday? Uh, wait, which one? I mean, what the Texans game? Uh, the, yeah. The, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, they, they, oh yeah. Well, well, it was well, it was one of those games that red zone couldn't cover because the Jags couldn't move the football. Like the 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 to put it to put this into context for uh, the listeners, the Jags had 119 yards of offense for the game. They had six yeah. first downs. Like like to say that the Jags couldn't move the football would be an understatement because literally, like Houston had nothing to play for at that point because they. Uh, 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 we, we lost Cali here, but Houston had nothing to play for at that point because of the fact that uh, New England was already on the verge of clinching the number two seed in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, with uh, New England already kind of clinching that number two seed in the bye, like Houston, like didn't really need to play their starters. So they were pulling guys in the second half and, uh, you know, uh, they could, they couldn't actually like literally the Jags still couldn't move the football despite the fact that uh, Houston starters were coming out of the game on defense. They like they were playing the second string and third string guys on Houston's defense in the second half and the Jags still couldn't move the football. That's how pitiful the game was. All right, hold on. We're going to I'm going to try to go uh, grab uh, Callie back on the line here. So, uh, give me a second. Okay, we got you back, Callie. This, 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 this. Mm. Yeah, some of these some of these management decisions is 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 a lot of people getting away with 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 murder here because like I say, Elway is one, Arizona is another one, another one is is, is Tampa Bay. They got rid of Lovey Smith, who had a a, a real steady thing going there because they thought that Dirk Cutter had. He was a quarterback whisperer. You know, so far, these quarterback whisperers, I noticed a lot of them failing in their jobs, you know, because Jameis Winston hasn't progressed an inch as far as I can see. He looks like the same guy that came in. He can make every throw at one time and no throw most of the time. You know, he makes bad decisions. I haven't seen Jameis. Look like he's improving his decision making at all. Yeah, so, so he, he's gone. He, he, yeah, the quarterback here, whisperer was was um the one in Miami. Um, Gase. Um, Adam Gase. Gase. He was he was another quarterback whisperer. You know he was going to fix. I know Ryan Tannehill is unfixable, but hey, don't let don't let me stop you. You know, so it's 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 some of these general managers with the decision making. Because you can't tell me that that Tampa Bay team wasn't uh, 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 on on the improve, you know. And so they can say what they want. I don't know what people be looking at, but for all the praise I hear, um, oh my God. I got. I got uh, to start taking some ginkgo bugs because probably, I keep forgetting these things. You, you're probably uh, thinking uh, of McVay. Um, the guy in Chicago. Um, oh, oh, Matt Nagy. Nagy, Nagy. 
I mean, I don't understand how guys get passes on. I saw at least three games that Chicago lost that I could blame Nagy for. Yes, with terrible play calling. Did he, he do a good job? Did he do a good job? Yes, he did a good job. Do I have But any I'm not confidence? giving him a pass on those games. Do, do I have any confidence in Matt Nagy in the playoffs with that Chicago team? Absolutely not. Matt Nagy could easily screw Chicago out of the playoffs because I see him make mind-numbingly ridiculous calls all the time, and he doesn't get called out in the media for it. And we talked about it on the podcast multiple times on some of his play calling where you just kind of look at it and you scratch your head and say, like, I, I, I don't – like, I I can tell he's a smart guy. He's not, he's not a dumb coach. He's a smart guy. But I can easily tell I, that he outsmarts himself. I, I can easily because I'm watching himself, it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the problem I have with him. Is that sometimes he outsmarts himself. You know, so, sometimes he just needs to 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 do the simple thing, and he he, he, he like. Nah, they never. It's like the old Pete Carroll. They're never gonna expect this, <laughs> you know. They never. They're never gonna think about this. Uh, so uh, you know, I I I worry about Nagy because I I I see things like that game where instead of running the ball and picking up a couple more yards, he he he, he designs these fabulous plays and and leaves his kicker with, with, with too long a, a field goal. You know, like people forget those games. You know, or the game against Green Bay when same thing. Instead of running the ball and 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 using up the clock, he he calls he calls the pass plays and leaves Aaron Rodgers with more time to tie up the game. Just you know? mind-numbingly dumb decisions, but uh, you know, I'm telling. You. But uh, you know what I was saying is. That there have been numerous trends, but one of the most ridiculous trends that people keep gravitating towards, and they don't actually like take stock of how many failures there have been with these so-called quarterback whispers. You had Ken Wisenhunt, you had Mike McCoy, you had you had Dirk Cutter, you had Adam Gase. Like you know, you, we can keep naming names of guys that were supposedly Ben McAdoo. Uh, like we can keep we can keep going down. Like there are more of them. Jay, Jay Gruden in Washington, because Jay Gruden, like, again, his management team in the organization for the Redskins are a joke, but Jay Gruden was a quarterback whisperer too. But you see, like, yeah. like all these different teams where it just falls apart because of other, there are other things other than just focusing on the quarterback. And so many of these organizations you can tell they don't really have a plan as to what they're going to do. Like the one thing I'll give uh I'll give San Francisco credit for is that, you know, with Lynch and Shanahan, they were addressing different parts of that team. It's just that Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt and, you know, they didn't have a backup plan. But guess what? The 49ers are going to have a backup plan next year because they will probably draft a QB next year. If they find anyone that they're interested in as a quality backup for Jimmy Garoppolo, because that team has enough talent to actually make a Super Bowl run with a quarterback. The problem was this year was that they were kind of leveraged into a spot where 
They paid a big, they gave a big money extension that they didn't have to to Garoppolo, and they were cash strapped, so they couldn't actually make any trades for quarterbacks because their cap number was already huge with the money they gave Garoppolo. So they were kind of stuck in a spot where they didn't really have much flexibility to do much of anything. But yeah, there are ton, yeah, but there I, are a ton of teams. Well, let me tell you something. For for what happened to them, I didn't think they were as bad as 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 they they should have been. You know, because if 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 you watch Arizona, <laughs> you would think that their quarterback got injured. <laughs> you no, know? no, he's just but holding he's just I, hold, I, holding the clipboard, I, happy I, to collect his money. That that's what happened with Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the the I think the the 49ers going to be all right because the one thing you could say if you watch the 49ers play this year you didn't see a team that was lacking effort. They have good they have good like they have good pieces. They have good pieces, both offense and defense. You know, but like I say, they need to drop a quarterback to put in place for if something like this happens another time. You know, so it's it's it, so they don't get into the thing. But most teams run that risk. Most teams run that risk. Yeah. Well, that if your quarterback get hurt, it, your year could be finished. Yeah. But I I thought they, they 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 played pretty good because you had to play to beat them. Yeah. You know, so it, it's not like they were giving games away. You know, so I I, I thought they 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 were they were they were pretty good. So, uh, in terms of uh, the open vacancies for head coaches, I would still say the Browns' job is the most attractive job, although the Jets aren't far behind because we haven't talked about Todd Bowles yet, but we know Todd Bowles was set up to fail in New York because this was this was the Rex Ryan situation played out all over again, except this time we didn't have a loud, boisterous head coach we had a pretty reserved head coach that didn't give too many sound bites that, you know, said, you know, hedge coach speak all the time that, you know, he, he, you know, the thing that Jets fans that I always laugh at is that they want a Rex Ryan to be their head coach. They want that guy to trash talk when in reality that a guy like Todd Bowles is what they actually need. They just need a better, they just need a better pieces around them. Like, Rex Ryan is never sustainable. Uh, a quiet head coach that just kind of goes about the job is what you actually need to be your head coach to do, just to kind of delegate and just figure things out. But the thing with Todd Bowles that was always going to screw him over is the fact that at the end of the day, he had one quality quarterback his entire four-year career with the Jets. And that was when Ryan Fifth Fitzpatrick played out of his mind and because we talked about this it was a year of house money no one expected the Jets to do anything that year as soon as the pressure came on the Jets and they had to do a win and get in situation against the Bills for the final game of the regular season Fitzpatrick melted under the pressure and was a complete mess and in that entire offseason screwed over the Jets because the Jets fan base basically kept calling into uh, talk radio and Woody Johnson listens to talk radio 
and Jets fans screwed themselves over by demanding that they re-sign Ryan Fitzpatrick over drafting a young QB to take over the reins. And see, the thing about the Jets is they could have had Deshaun Watson on that team. And they would actually be the team. Like they, like, they could have had any one of those guys if they had concentrated. Like, they could have actually traded up to get those guys. Like, the Jets had to... The Jets, like, after they got rid of Rex Ryan, they had cap space and draft picks. Like, the Fitzpatrick thing happened, and then all of a sudden, the Jets decided, screw that, we're going to build our team around Ryan Fitzpatrick, ignoring the fact that he was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because they listen to the fans. So now the fans bitching and moaning about how uh, Todd Bowles isn't able to put together a playoff team when he has Sam Darnold in a rookie year. Like like somehow people were expecting the Jets to make a playoff run with a rookie QB. When does that actually happen? The only, uh, like, wait, I'm trying to think. When was the last time a rookie QB made a playoff run? The only guy I could say is Big Ben. And again, when Big Ben did it, the Steelers were such a well-rounded team. Maddox got hurt, and they basically kind of gimmicked the offense around Big Ben to throw the ball down the field. But it was basically the Steelers' defense. Like Big Ben's the only the only guy I can think of is Big Ben. And again, that wasn't Big Ben really being Big Ben. He was just Ben Roethlisberger at the time, just a guy just doing the gidget plays that. Little gadget plays that Ken Wisdom drew up as an offensive coordinator. Like it is not easy for a rookie QB to be successful in the NFL. The and with a line as bad as the Jets had, because the Jets let their entire offensive line get old, never replaced them. Like the Jets screwed up a number of things, like building around Ryan Fitzpatrick, letting Mangold and the rest of the offensive line, like the Brickershaw Ferguson, get old and not replace them. Like, the Jets did pretty much all the things that the Giants were doing wrong at the same time. It's just that, you know, the Giants had Eli as a fall guy to blame for their problems, and the Jets basically blamed everyone uh, but the kitchen sink for what was going wrong with the team. But, you know, Todd Bowles... Yeah, Bowles took all the blame. But Todd Bowles ended up becoming the scapegoat this year for a team that had no business competing for anything. Like, the Jets had no business competing. Like, if you look at the AFC East... The Patriots were going to win that one in a landslide because you had two rookie quarterbacks. You had Ryan Tannehill that Miami didn't really believe in. It's just that, you know, they were paying Tannehill money, and because he's still on the rookie contract, they just wanted to play out the string to see if Tannehill could do anything, but they didn't really have any confidence in him. Like, that's why I laugh at the Gase firing because, like, Miami never really implemented a game plan. They just figured Gase could make Ryan Tannehill work, and, Ryan Tannehill's a career backup in the NFL. Like, it was a terrible He's game a plan to be. <laughs> it's like, you know, you can't, like, you can't, tur- like, t- uh, turn chicken bleep into chicken, sa- uh, like, chicken salad. Like, sometimes it is what it is. A turd is a turd. You can shine that thing up as many yeah. times as you want. It's a turd. Mm. It's, 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 uh, look, this is what I'm saying. A lot of coaches, get blamed for sheep decisions that management make. You know, I. how many years have we been complaining? No, look, I'm not giving Marvin Lewis any passes. 
Nor okay? should we. <laughs> but let me tell you something. You know, the the, the red rifle, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, Tannehill has never, I never thought Tannehill was a good quarterback. I didn't thought it was a good pick at the time, and, and he has never proven me wrong. It's the same thing in Cincinnati. I never thought he's a good quarterback, and he has never proven me wrong. It, 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 it is what it is. I, I didn't have an opinion on Todd Bowles. I know he had a big arm, and whatever, but by the second year, I realized Todd Bowles is not an NFL quarterback. You know? Wait, wait. Uh, you, you mean, um, I, uh, wait, uh... Wait, hold on. Uh, you you were saying um, you said Todd Bowles, but like I think you were thinking of uh, Tannehill. No, no, I I no, I said I was just going down the list about quarterbacks. You know, with with um, taking Cincinnati. Oh, uh, and, oh, and Tannehill uh, in, in in Miami. Oh, you, oh, you no 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 in, you, in Jacksonville. No, oh, but, oh, oh, you 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 saying Todd Bowles, but you meant Blake Bortles. I know I know who you're getting at. Okay. I, I, oh shit! I'm saying, I said Todd Bowles. I mean Big Ball. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, I'm just running down the list of these guys who. I mean, by year two, we were checking that a lot of a, a, a lot of bottles' stats was get, when when games was over. Yes, those games they lost. He was the ultimate garbage and, time and they, you know, for fantasy. It, it, you you know who did that this morning? Golick was doing that this morning with Cousins about his numbers. But numbers, numbers does not tell the story of the year that you have Here, because those numbers can be skewed. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't get into this one uh, with you, but like Golick basically summed up my argument about Kirk Cousins uh, pretty well. And the the issue I had with Kirk Cousins was, you know, when he was in Washington, the issues Washington had were. Bad management. The team didn't really think about long term, like uh, building out different aspects. So, like, like Cousins never had a run game. Cousins didn't have a deep threat wide receiver. Cousins didn't really have like a solid, well put together defense. He had all of that in Minnesota, but when you looked at Cousins play NFL quarterback this year, the reason why I said he regressed is that he kept doing what he was comfortable with. So he kept doing these short routes, and it was just like all these stat padding with short yardage passes and letting Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen do all the hard work with the yards at the catch. The problem with running your entire offense that way is that eventually, down uh, as the season moves along, teams start adjusting to the offense so that they're going to force you to throw the ball down the field in tight windows. And Cousins, for whatever reason, this year had no confidence in doing that. So, yes, the offensive line was bad, but Cousins was even worse throwing the ball down the field than Eli. And everyone was ripping on Eli this entire year for not being able to throw the ball down the field. Cousins had two uh, all-pro uh, all uh, wide receivers and was still less accurate throwing the ball deep down the field than pretty much... Uh, like I'd say over half the league, like he wasn't even league average on deep balls this year. And, you know, with, uh, with yards, uh, with air yards over 25 yards. And so 
the what happened to the Vikings, you know, they used uh, John Filippo as the scapegoat, saying that they threw the ball too much. But some of those plays, like, Cousins has the option of checking out of those plays and running the football. Like, when you see the defensive set up at the line of scrimmage as a quarterback, you have the option of checking out of some of those plays and running the football if you think that gives you the better advantage. Cousins didn't do any of that. Like, Cousins basically wanted to throw the ball, but it was ineffective passes. So what it reminded me of is how in soccer... You can bring up passing accuracy uh, between clubs of like total number of passes a soccer club does and the accuracy of those passes. Yeah. But if you're passing around the box aimlessly back and forth to each other and never actually doing a meaningful forward pass down down the pitch to actually put pressure on the defense, it's meaningless. And to me, that's what the Vikings yeah. offense was. It was just being pesky. It, it, the Vikings offense that never... Didn't. They never, the Vikings never struck me as a high powered offense because, as good as the numbers were that Adam Thielen was going on, and people were saying, you know, like, is Adam Thielen the best wide receiver in the league? I was laughing at it because it was, it was just, it was just stat padding. Because the, the actual offensive plays, like, yes, they got their touchdowns in the end, but like, for if you were saying how dominant they were as an offense, like, realistically, the Vikings should have been putting up Chiefs numbers. If they were at like if they were operating at the level that they should of their talent level, the Vikings have just as much talent on offense as the Chiefs do, and they were putting up basically ten to fifteen points less per game than the Chiefs. The Chiefs were putting up over thirty-two points a game. Like it, it, it this, ah. like this is why I say stats lie at times, and people don't pay attention to watching football games and looking in some of the details like the details were completely lost on this vikings team they they were not dynamic like they did a lot of passes but they weren't a lot of meaningful passes yes they got their yardage yes they threw for over four thousand yards but realistically for the amount of pass attempts that they had they should have been doing a whole lot more Yeah. So, uh, like, uh, Hello? again, uh, again, it, yeah, it, it, I feel like, yeah, yeah, you'll get that call. Yeah, yeah, but um, it was just one of those mm. things where you you look at what was going on with um, with the team, and you know, I I I just had to shake my head. I really had to shake my head there because, like, there were two. Let games. me tell you something. The, the the only game, the only game that I. Sort Vikings play this year that I could 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 clearly say that 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 I saw Cousins throw the ball down the field. Remember that game they played against the Rams? Yes. Uh, the the game against the Rams. Mm-hmm. That's the only game that I saw, and I gave him props for some of the throws he made in that game. Yes, like and he, it never appeared again. But but again, the quality of the competition, the Rams had a very suspect secondary, so he. Like, he actually had more space to throw down the field against the Rams than he did against some of the other teams. That's why he had the confidence. Like, whenever Kirk Cousins played against an above-average defense, and the stats don't lie, like, literally, Kirk Cousins is a below 500 QB for his career. His QB, uh, uh, his Q- quarterback rating is below 80. Like, 
he does not play well against above average defenses. Like when he actually has to throw into tight windows, he gets gun shy. And you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, I just thought that it was a byproduct of playing with inferior players in Washington. But the reality of the situation is he had superlative talent around him in Minnesota. Yes, the offensive line isn't great, but there are a lot of players that don't have yeah, great offensive, offensive lines. Yeah, but the offensive line, it's not like he was getting sacked all the time. It, exactly. Like, you know, Deshaun, it, Deshaun, it, 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 like, Deshaun Watson had a worse offensive line than Kirk Cousins. Like, there are guys, like, Russell Wilson has a right. worse offensive line. Like, the Seahawks are a good run-blocking team. They're still an awful pass-blocking team. Like, there are teams with worse offensive lines than Kirk Cousins, and he did less with more. Yeah. Yeah. That Look, is- let me tell you something. They they can say what they want. You know, the, the, look, the one thing I can tell you now, if you put those Minnesota people in a room and you say, would you do this now, what you did last year after seeing this? I want to see which one will say yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I completely agree with you. It's like, there's no way they do that deal again fully guaranteed. No way. Because, you know. I knew that was. Because they would have let the Jets have Kirk Cousins. And if the Jets had Kirk Cousins, oh, man, would the, the fan base be go Like, Jets fans should be, like, giddy with glee. Because, like, the Jets missed so many pitfalls. And completely undeserving, oh, by the way. Like the jet, the jet, the Jets should have ended up screwing this up. Like so many things broke right for the Jets this year, and they may still screw screw this up because they still they still haven't fired Mike McCagnan yet as GM. Like they they're gonna let a a, a a GM with questionable eye for talent do what amounts to the most important uh, for, uh, year in Jets history since Bill Parcells was the head coach and the quasi-GM for the team. This is the most important offseason for the Jets. Like, the Jets have cap space, and they still have a high draft pick. The Jets could be a Super Bowl team next year if they make all the right moves, and I have no confidence that they they can actually accomplish that. No, because don't forget... You're, you're breaking up. I'm breaking up? You're, you're breaking up. Yeah, you're, you're, for some reason you're breaking up. Ah, I'm hearing you clear. Yeah, but you you breaking up Yeah, at times. Yeah, the, because people forget that 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 McCagnan is, is the one who... who, who don't forget that the, the Jets had a surplus of quarterbacks. Because of of, of 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 making picks, so it's not like McCagnan is showing you that he he um he he is so great with 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 with, with stuff. So yeah, Jamal Adams is a good pick, and and Sam Donald was a good pick, you know. But I I, I don't know that 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 McCagnan showed me that that he is that great, you know. Stuff fall in his lap. Leonard Williams fell right, right in his lap. He couldn't, he couldn't refuse it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's not like you, you know. 
you you saw you, you saw uh, you know um Andy Reid move up and 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 get Pat Mahomes and now that you see where he is you got to say he knows what he's doing you know I haven't seen that out of, out of, out of McCagnan because he had chances to move up and, and get there because they had a chance to move up and get Carson Wentz before and they didn't do it. So I, 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 I don't know if, 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 if you're telling me that McCagnan has shown you so far that, 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 that he's the guy because they could have fixed that quarterback thing before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we got we got more news, Callie. We got more news. So uh, the Jags are keeping Doug Marone, uh, and they're keeping their yeah. GM as well. But th- this is kind of what we talked about. It's because they felt like m- the ownership group felt bad that they kind of backed Blake Bortles because Blake Bortles got. I I, I think this is what you kind of talked about is that ownership kind of forced their hand because we we were we were all scratching our heads as to why the hell they would give Blake Bortles that kind of deal when, you know, everyone knew Blake Bortles was not a quality QB. So I think that part uh, partly played into it is that they didn't trust the free agency quarterbacks and they didn't want to chance it with drafting a rookie to replace Bortles. So they just try to give Bortles one more year to see if he could actually build upon uh, what happened last year. Well, the, the problem I had with that is that you knew, looking ahead, that this year is a is a is a ten year for quarterbacks coming out of college. There's nothing really much people, you know. So, which is what, which is that team, which is why boys to make a run. I don't know why you take that chance. Which is uh, which is why I'm getting really pissed off with sports talk radio and the media in New York because. The Giants fan base and the media covering the Giants are absolutely clueless because they keep talking up about drafting a QB this year when realistically there isn't a QB. Like the whole issue I have with the Giants is that they needed to make a decision like if they were just going to do a complete rebuild or figure out a way of making it work with Eli and they managed to do neither because we talked about this. If you were gonna if you're gonna draft Darnold, that team was gonna be awful, and he was gonna take a beating, and it was gonna be a miserable year in New York, for, all around, because everyone was gonna ask for Darnold to play, and he would have gotten smoked just like Eli got smoked by the offensive line. Like Saquon Barkley, being as great as he was, kept defenses honest, in spite of how bad the offensive line was, and being able to sign uh, J- uh, uh, Jamon Brown from the Rams after he got cut dramatically improved the offensive line so that we weren't bottom three in the league anymore. We're at least, you know, maybe somewhere in the low twenties at best, but at least it wasn't abjectly awful the way like to the point where it was completely broken uh, to begin the year. That's why the giant season ended. It's like, it's the lack of planning. So you've re-signed Odell to a huge contract but you don't actually do anything of the core uh, elements that made the t- Giants horrible in the first place. So now you're begging for the Giants to draft a QB when you still have so many holes to fill out because the defense is a joke. The offensive line is still a mess. Like, the Giants have to fill so many holes 
that, again, the Giants are in a spot where they actually need to trade down their draft pick to fill all the holes on the team. Like, they drafted Saquon because Gettleman saw how talented Saquon was and just couldn't resist. And I, and I completely get it because Saquon basically exceeded every possibility I could have had for a rookie year and, and did more with it. He did more with less than basically any rookie in the league this year. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Giants have so many holes that this offseason, if the Giants don't actually start trading down draft picks to start filling out a proper NFL roster, it's going to be a complete and utter waste of both uh, re-signing Odell and drafting Saquon. It's like, I know Eli yeah. is, isn't the level of QB that you need to really make legitimate Super Bowl runs, but you at least have to be put yourself in a competitive position so that any QB that you put in to replace Eli can actually have success. That's the problem with the Giants. Like, everyone wants to scapegoat Eli, but there's no framework in place for any QB to su- be successful with this team. Look, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you, if you are a giant fan, that's that. You know, I always say most of the people who call into to these radio stations just want to hear themselves. They're not thinking. So when they come, they they wanna they wanna make a, a splash. If you're thinking about it, like you say, with the amount of holes this Giants team have to fill, because the first thing we gotta fix is the line. Because you tell me. The Eli you saw in the first few games and the Eli you saw in the second half of the season when they got that lineman and got rid of Omo May, what a difference the team was. You understand? So what the Giants need to do, as, as much as they, they, they may not want to hear this, the Giants got to keep Eli. You go one more year with Eli because who are you going to draft this year? Who are you going to draft this year? If you want to, if you, if if you want to, can't come out. If you want to overpay for Haskins, Haskins is a two year project minimum because he's got to bulk up to play in the NFL. Like Haskins is a two year project. So again, you'd still be wasting two years of Odell and Saquon in their prime, and you're, and you're basically waiting on 2022. Um, look, most of these people who talking, acting like this quarterback is going to come in and just start lighting up the place. You understand? Look at Donald. He had that great game against Detroit. Oh, uh, what happened? What happened? They went three games. Well, you, 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 three freaking games. And well, with the Giants line, they might have win maybe one. But you, you know, know the the problem so, the, the, the the issue is that people are going to look at and say, "Oh, well, you see what Baker Mayfield's able to do. Like we we need to have that. You see what Mahomes is able to do now. Like the NFL's changing. It's like yes, the NFL's changing, but at the same time, you actually still have to." put together competent rosters. Like the, the thing that happened with the giants after the bye week if you look at Eli's numbers, like overall for Eli, basically you're, you're talking about 13 touchdowns, five picks uh, and a quarterback rating of 94. 
that's above average for NFL QBs. Once you fix the offensive line, like, and it wasn't, yes. and, and it wasn't that. That would have flowers, and, and and they picked up Brown. And, and, like, and they still get, and they still gave up sixteen sacks. And so it's not as though like the offensive line dramatically improved. They were still giving up a ton of sacks. It's just the fact no, that nobody was decent. It it, it 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 wasn't like the absolute dumpster fire that it was. Like it 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 wasn't the dumpster fire that it was to start the year. Like that's. That's the problem I have with like folks like, and I'm disappointed in the New York media because like if you're being honest, realistically there wasn't much that was going to be able to be done with this team the way that offensive line played to start the year. There, really, there wasn't much that anyone was going to be able to do with that team. Dwayne, let me tell you how the the, the media runs this thing. Okay, the stupid fan calls the shows and tells you, "Oh, they gotta get rid of Eli because he's doing it like this." They got rid of Eli, and they kind of agree with them because they think if they if they disagree with them, they'll, 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 they won't call that show. They'll call another show. So that in order to keep their fans, they had to kind of uh, agree with them. But anybody who telling me. That if you put Tom Brady behind that Giants offensive line, you remember that Dallas game? You remember the Dallas game? Yeah. I want to see who was going to stand up to that barrage that, 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 that was coming through that line. I mean, before he got the ball, there was people, like guys was, you know, like guys was playing in the backfield. You know, they were coming from the blind side. They coming through the middle. I mean... It's crazy, you know. And the problem is that this is something that was happening before. You know, the year when the Giants had all the money, Reese bought a defense. He brought in the guys on the defensive line. And what, what, what we went, 10 and 4, or something, 10, 10, um, 11 and 4, or yeah. something like that, 11 and 5? Yep. And, you know, okay, the next year, he drafted nobody for the line. He didn't do, he didn't bring in one person. He didn't make any draft. And the year when we went to the playoffs, we couldn't run the ball. We couldn't run the ball. So we were one-dimensional, you know, because if you remember that year, that's the year when the defense kept having to hold out and win all those games. Oh, yeah, no. The, the, because we couldn't run the ball. If you watched, it, like, the Giants were one of the worst 11-5 teams, and, like, the the, the Giants basically uh, were, like, very fortunate with the schedule. Like, it's kind of like what I see similar to uh, what's going? Uh, what's going on with uh, uh, some of these uh, AFC teams that got into the playoffs this year because they had terrible schedules, but they have critical flaws. But like, if if you were being uh, like uh, honest with yourselves, like that Giants team that was in uh, that was the 2016 team, like they had no business being in the playoffs, and they got exposed. Like, and they made it about Odell and the whole boat uh, uh, boat party thing. But it, it was going beyond that. Like, the, the team just had so many issues. 
Like the it, the thing about Eli is that throughout most of his career, Eli has been a turnover machine because of forcing the ball down the field. Eli had a, hit, uh, a career low in turnovers this year. Like no one really talks about it, but it was like out like this is the low uh, lowest turnover turnover uh, total of Eli's career uh, since uh, since. Uh, 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 we uh, we uh, we had the the 2018 that should have gone back to the Super Bowl, except Plaque shot himself. Like that's how that's where like people like keep criticizing Eli's like uh, gameplay and like in uh, game management. But realistically, if you're looking at the if you're looking at the games themselves, this was a, a season that can be bulked down into when we actually needed to call up plays and come up with imaginative play calling. Like Pat Shermer couldn't do it. Like, like the, between the offensive line, the defense being the worst fourth quarter defense in the league, and blitzing all the time, and not having personnel that can cover anyone in in space. Like, you know, there were so many holes on this team. Eli, like again, if I'm putting blame on people, Eli is like somewhere on maybe like nine or ten for the season. Like the like Eli is way down the list. And because he's the guy Great. who's been around the longest, he gets the he get he he gets the award of being the scapegoat because he's all he's people the know. Fruit. Yes. He's the low hanging fruit. That's Eli, the low hanging fruit. You understand? They, they, that, that's what they did with Eli. Eli is the low hanging fruit, so they, they, they could just right there, and he, he, he's a man in. And like I told you. The, the the they had no use for a second man in being great. They had Peyton and they, they, they you know how dare you win two Super Bowls. So now that they got the chance, it's the low hanging fruit, so they, they picked him. You know. But if you really, really telling me you're a Giants fan that actually know the game. Okay? First of all, I never heard a Giants fan being this voiceless when Jerry Reese was screwing up everything. And we were screaming about it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, I didn't hear anybody t- talking about that. Because if people remember, 2012, the year after we won the Super Bowl, watch that draft and see who do we have from that draft left. Yeah. Huh? So, we just, you know, so all these Giants fans that know all this football, where the hell you guys were when Jerry Reese was screwing up every draft? You can't call outside of Landon Collins, Pew, Beckham. You can't call anybody on the freaking team that he drafted. And he stayed there all these years screwing it up. You know, we can have chances. No, we 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 we're gonna take we're gonna take Eli Apple. We scream for him to take Jalen. Um, Jerry Smith and and um and Jared Jack, Jared Jack, huh? Jack. Did he take any of those guys? No. I mean, you knew that guy. If he rehab one year, was gonna be great. And he kept passing and passing and taking freaking people who they're not even in the league anymore. What are you telling me about? So all these Giants fans are talking 
And they sure, they know if you get rid of Eli, they can do the thing. Okay, here's what I want to know from Giants fans. You want a new quarterback? Which quarterback you picking that's going to make a difference next year? Let me hear the quarterback that they're telling me that we're, they're going to draft or, or, or trade we're, for. We're, we're building for the future, Kelly. If, if, we're, we're if Nick Foles' name comes up, I'm going to laugh. Uh, people, you know, I, I, I heard, I heard his name no less than five times in the past twenty four hours from the media, from newspaper writers to fans calling it like, and I'm like, I'm just, I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, I know these people don't watch football because Nick Foles can only play in a vertical passing system, and and Pat Shermer does not run a vertical passing system. Like, you know, you he he cannot run any system. Other than the Andy Reid system RPO type offense that uh, uh, that Doug Peterson's got him under, and Doug Peterson is an Andy Reid guy, like it, it, he doesn't function in any other system. Like you watched him try to play Chip Kelly's offense, couldn't do it. You watched him flame out in Kansas City uh, because again they were trying to do a short passing game at the time, and it and, and he couldn't do it. You watched him go to uh, St. Louis. Couldn't do it. Different system. Like, he can only play a deep vertical passing game system. And, yes, the Giants could change their offense, but Pat Shermer doesn't run that offense, and you hired Pat Shermer to run the offense. Like, it, like again, it, there's so many things that, like I said, we know that these are a lot of false narratives going around that, like, I call out all the time because I hear them, and then I realize – there are a lot of folks that don't know football that proclaim that they do. But before I let you go, Kelly, I, 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 I got I got to tell you a story. It's not a fun story, but I, I got to tell you a story about how I managed to screw myself out of at least winning 50 grand yesterday. So with uh, the daily fantasy lineups, I had it set up, and I talked about it on the show where, you know, I I had the feeling that the Dolphins were had already packed their bags so that even though I liked Mahomes today and Big Ben should have been able to smash the Bengals, I said I'm 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 going to play some, certain lineups with Josh Allen. Then I figured the only two running backs being week 17 that were going to actually have carries this week were Saquon Barkley and CJ Anderson of the Rams because Gurley was out. So that they were the only two running backs that were actually going to get legitimate carries this week. So the only guys that I was unsure about was whether I was going to go with the Tampa Bay and Atlanta receivers or if I was going to go with Pittsburgh because of the chance that Antonio Brown being out. Now, the way I was thinking about this is that, you know, we talked about this, uh, you know, with the Bengals being as pitiful as they were, with all the defensive records that they were breaking in terms of points and yards allowed, once I heard that news about Antonio Brown being out, I had to, like, I, I and I'm kicking myself because it ended up screwing me, but I had to switch off of Evans and Chris Godwin of Tampa Bay and in and, uh, the mix of Julio I had to the Steelers because I told myself 
there was no chance the uh, the Bengals were actually showing up for that game. Be in in three in, in, in three River Stadium, no less, on the road in three River Stadium, even though it was it was a division game, just because of how badly Baker Mayfield mocked them last week and they did nothing about it. So obviously, you can imagine my like just looking at it and just having like being mad, but also at the same time laughing at it. At this summarizes the Pittsburgh Steelers season in that in the game they have to win, they still came out completely flat against a Bengals team that has nothing to play for. Like the Bengals actually showed up to play inspired football for the first time all season. Realistically, if you're being honest, like that was the best defensive performance the Bengals put on the entire year. While setting records yeah, yeah. for most points conceded in the yeah. second quarter and worst uh, most uh, uh, opening drive touchdowns allowed in a season. Yeah, they, they wanted to save Marvin's job. <laughs> I mean, like again, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's a beat, and you know, I, like I'm ticked off about it because like it cost me a good bit of money, but like. I can't say that I'm. I would have done it differently because, realistically, to in order to fail that way, you have to rely on the impossible, which was the Bengals actually showing up to care about an NFL game this yeah, year. Enough, yeah. Which is why Marvin Lewis had to get fired because he didn't care, so his players didn't care about games. But the reason why I question the Steelers is that that Steelers team, people want to blame Mike Tomlin for the deficiencies of the Steelers this year. The Steelers were broken from the moment those offensive linemen went out and ripped on Le'Veon Bell for not showing up by calling him selfish when every NFL player knows that the owners will always screw you out of money and that you have to fight for whatever you can get and that the goal, obviously, at the end of the day was to keep encouraging him so that he would want to come back to the team. See, the biggest issue I had with the Steelers players is that they were never unified from the start. Because you saw from the outset that once they started talking about how much money Le'Veon was passing up with the franchise tag and not focusing on what he could potentially get in free agency, you knew the players were just like, well, he doesn't care about us, so we don't care about him. And so they started with that narrative and then try to back off of it saying, oh, well, we, we hope that, it w- like, you know, when he comes in here, like, he'll, he'll come in and, like, you know, we'll get we'll, we'll fix things along the way. No, it didn't work that way because Le'Veon was already pissed off to the extent that he wanted out. Like, he wanted that trade to happen, and the Steelers thought that he was going to break. So, again, like, the reason why I keep looking at that Steelers team is people keep blaming Tomlin. I look at Big Ben, like, everyone wants to scapegoat Eli, but they never give judgment on Big Ben when he's throwing teams under the bus, uh, teammates under the bus left, right, and center year after year after year. It finally caught up to him this year where Big Ben screwed up more games for the Steelers than ever before. And it was clear that he was the one screwing it up, and yet still, he blamed his teammates for all the losses. He never once stood up and said, you know what? This is on me, guys. I screwed this up. Yeah, I, I don't know. 
That, 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 this is one of the worst seasons I've ever seen Big Ben play. Yeah, he had that spark in the middle of the season where they, they won like four or five games in a row. But uh, they started bad. They were okay in the middle, and they ended bad. Even though, even though they won that game yesterday, I count it as a loss. Yes. Because it's the Bengals. They were losing that game for so long yesterday that I still count it as a loss. Yeah. They should have just blown the, the Bengals out and go sit down and, and say, well, say hell with what happened. You know, and, and even that Raiders game should not have been... Yeah, I know the guy missed the kick at the end, but it never should have came down to that. Of course not. You know, it's the Raiders you play. Yeah. So, so like, yeah. Tom, Tomlin, of course, is going to uh, get some of the blame, as he should. But again, a lot of this we, we trace it back to. Like, we knew the Steelers were making a mistake with the Le'Veon Bell situation. We talked about this at length, about how the Steelers truly did not value Le'Veon Bell. They really didn't value him at all. Hmm. Nah, they, look, they did to Le'Veon Bell the way they look at running backs now. Because there was a couple of years there where the NFL started treating running backs like how the NBA treats centers. Uh, we don't need a center. We can, you can win without a center. Well, not if you have a good center, you know. So it's the same thing with, with, with running backs. If you have a good running back, you know, what happens is offensive coordinators get, 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 you know, I, I have no idea what happens to them sometimes. Like they get amnesia at certain points of the game where they, they, they're on the five-yard line and, and, and they, 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 they come up with these elaborate throws that they want to make instead of just pounding it in there and, and you know. And, 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 and winning the game. So that's what happened when you, you think like that. But, you know, Le'Veon Bell, I mean, I can't say he could come and play for the Giants because we have Saquon Barkley and we can't spare that kind of money. But if I'm the Jets and Le'Veon Bell is on the market and they don't take him, I mean, I don't give a shit. I, I, don't, I don't have no desire to see the Jets great in New York. But if he's available and they don't take him, I, I, know, I, I, will, I don't know. I will laugh because the Jets are the exact kind of team that will sign Le'Veon Bell and still find a way to screw it up. But like I said. Well, yeah, well, well I mean, they do, they do that with everything. Come on, it's the Jets. You know, what would we do in New York without them? You know. But if you watch what Adrian Peterson did for the Redskins this year and made them relevant, that should show you what, what he can do with Le'Veon, you know. Teams, I think, could take Le'Veon Bell, the Jets, I think the Panthers is a team that could, 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 could use a, a good, well, a good well, running you, game. You, well, you know, you, know. You, know, you know why? I think uh, you bring up a good point with the Panthers. And I know McCaffrey's really good. Here's the reason why the Panthers could use uh, Le'Veon Bell in addition to McCaffrey. Because I think the Panthers would be better served, even though Cam can uh, throw the ball. Like, if you take the pressure off of Cam having to run, like, a couple of gadget plays, 
and just do two running back sets between uh, McCaffrey. Yeah, you'd have to cut. You'd actually see. Here's the thing: why I laugh about NFL teams. Like you actually have to come up with putting together an offensive system. But like you need to come up with a system where Cam doesn't have to take as many hits. Like the issue with Cam Newton is you you don't need Cam Newton taking those hits in the regular season. You ha- you can have him take those hits in the postseason, and the uh, Panthers would be fine. Like the problem is Cam takes too many hits in the regular season because the offense is kind of designed around that way. Like if you have two legitimate running back options and you kind of rotate them out and just be a heavy run team with Cam making a couple of throws, like not volume throws because Cam will never be accurate enough to be a volume passer, but just enough throws to keep teams Mm. honest. Like what the Ravens are doing isn't sustainable long-term because Lamar Jackson will get hurt, but it's very dangerous what they're doing right now because you, you, they can throw well enough to keep you honest. And because you can't practice against things like that, that's why the Ravens are so dangerous. That's what Le'Veon Bell but can that, do for a team. Like, you can't that, practice for Le'Veon Bell. Was, that was the other team I was going to come to. The Ravens was the other team. But going back to the Panthers, the thing when I talk about the Panthers, if you are Le'Veon Bell and he's the primary runner, you would end up being like the Rams over the greatest show on turf, where they used to line Marshall Falk up on the outside, and he could run with most receiver, most uh, DBs, you know. So you would be able to do that. But the Ravens, if they get Le'Veon Bell, it would take the pressure of Lamar Jackson having to run as much as he does. And now that they, the, the rules are changed where you don't hit the quarterback, you know, he gets protected as, as much as he does, he can, you know, save himself from getting those hard hits. Because the one thing with with, with Jackson, he kind of runs like Russell Wilson, where he runs and he goes down before, you know, he doesn't, you know, the, 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 the I remember RG3 used to run and kind of like be trying to run for the sidelines and, and, and taking that hit. Lamar doesn't do that. You know, he gets down. You 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 really really see somebody get a good hat on Russell Wilson. He doesn't take hits, you know, and he runs a lot. You know, but there's running and running smart. As that Golik said this morning, part of him would love to see Kyler Murray play in the NFL because of how competitive he is, you know. Because he runs kind of like Russell, too. He gets down kind of quick, you know. But sometimes he gets desperate like the other night where he tried to go for those extra yards and almost got killed. Yeah. You know. But, but um, yeah, I, I, if, I'm telling you, if, if, if Le'Veon Bell, if the Jets let Le'Veon Bell come on the market and they don't run and grab him first, you know, they got the money I, to I sign him. They they Please. got more than enough money to sign him, and 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 sign a couple of offensive linemen. And that like because the Jets' defense is good enough, even though they're going to backslide a bit without Bowles. The Jets' defense is good enough as is if they if they actually had more of a ball control offense. The offense was so bad that's why the defense suffered the way they did. Like to to me is it's clear as day the Jets need to sign a couple of offensive linemen. And you bring in Le'Veon Bell, you're you're automatically the favorite to win the NFC. I mean the AFC East. 
you're better than the Patriots because the Patriots are one year older and they got a bunch of holes that Belichick has to figure out in the offseason. But I will still say that the Patriots, the only team the Patriots really have to fear is the Ravens because the Ravens' defense can just stranglehold the Pats and they won't be able to figure out. I think the Pats can figure out a way of slowing down the Chiefs enough to win a game. The team that the Patriots have no answer for is the Ravens because the Ravens do everything. They scrape by the Ravens every now and then. But the, the... the 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 Pats hate to see the Ravens in the playoffs. And they hate to see them at any time. You know, Brady don't like them. He gets hit a lot. You know, the the, the and the Ravens know how to play them. So yeah, they 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 definitely don't want to see the Ravens. Yeah. Uh, that's a good game. That's a good game. On where uh, they play Saturday. Uh, uh, the the Ra- the, Ra- uh, the Ravens uh, the Ravens game is Sunday I believe. Uh, the interesting thing that I see also is the fact that I think that the Colts actually beat the Texans. I really do because we talked about this before. I have zero confidence in uh, Bill O'Brien, and as much as I like Deshaun Watson, the way Andrew Luck is playing, he can score on that Texans defense. And I think the Colts. Yeah. I think the Colts' de- defense is more consistent than what I get out of the Texans. Like I easily can see a scenario where the Colts beat the Texans, and it wouldn't be an upset to me because to me, like the Colts are an incomplete team, and the Texans are a parental, a parentally underachieving team. Like the Colts, the Colts do more with less, and they they just find ways of just kind of covering up the warts, the Texans find ways of playing down to their level of capability. And to me, that, but, that's but, that's more indicative of, uh, of of where the kind of coaching they're getting. Yeah, one of the problems I have with the Texans is, is that they are yet to play a playoff game that looked like a playoff game to me. I know they have injuries and stuff, but Every playoff game they've had has been like, you know, it 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 it, it they've they've never shown up. Uh, so I, I'm anxious for this game to see how they play. Yeah. Because I know Deshaun can rise to the occasion for big games. He lives for big games. So I I I'm I'm anxious to see him play this this playoff game. Yeah. Uh, I I want to see if if O'Brien can come up. With 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 a uh, 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 thing. So I mean, they have people with the pedigree. I know Romeo. You know he can. You know the. You know he he can coach up his defense. But I really want to see O'Brien because he 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 hit behind for for some of these years that oh my quarterback is injured. This one is thing. So he's never been held accountable for the playoff losses because he's always had. The issues with the quarterback, either being in or don't have the quarterback to begin with. So, I'm anxious for this game. I'm really anxious for this game. <laughs> Another game, I think it's going to be a good game is that Seahawks game. Yeah, Seahawks Dallas. Seahawks Seahawks going into Dallas because I want to see the Dallas Cowboys actually show up. When 
it's the big the biggest lights are on because like basically even though they beat the Saints on that Thursday night game they were playing with house money now they're actually playing with pressure on them because people are going to expect them to beat the Seattle team I want to see them being able to execute oh, the favorite. Yeah, they're favored now. They're yeah. favored for that game. So it's like I, I want to I want to see them play with pressure because they haven't they really haven't had to play with pressure at all this year. This was more of a year where it was just like, okay, you know, this, the Eagles are the Super Bowl champs, so they're going to win the division. Like the 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 people were just expecting the Eagles to run through the division, so the Cowboys didn't really have those kinds of expectations. Now the uh, the bar has been raised. Because Jerry went all in, I you know I still didn't agree with what he gave up for Amari Cooper. It worked out, but at the time they still could have gotten Amari Cooper for less. But it worked out for him. But now the pressure is on because you know Jerry has already committed to Dak being his quarterback, and I haven't seen the development in Dak yet that he's the guy. Because the shocking thing to me was that Dak played the entire game against the Giants yesterday. And yet still, even though he led the touchdown drive, it's because of how bad the Giants' defense is. Dak was not making the throws that you need to be able to make in the playoffs well, that, that, in that game. That, that's my well, fear that's with Dallas. Yeah. Well, that's a problem I had yesterday because that Giants team, even though Dallas rested Zeke and them, that Giants team rested a lot of guys too. And it wasn't really a good team. You're not playing against Odell. You're basically playing against Saquon Barkley. And and they almost lost that game. You know? And like I said, it's the worst, the, the four worst players I have ever seen in that last drive. You know? Because the Giants should at least get in the field goal range and kick a field goal and win that game. You know? Which would so, have taken us out of the uh, top ten, by the way. But we, we, like it, like that loss saved us from like uh, uh, saved us uh, our, our top ten pick. But yeah, so like the, the, oh, way, yeah. the way because the way, because the way. we we still ended up at number six. Yeah, you know which pissed me off. I'm looking at it this morning. I'm like, you know, we we at number six. You know, because I wanted a high pick that that we could trade down and get extra picks because we need more guys. You know. But we, we stuck at number six. Because I knew Tampa Bay would be ahead of us because we beat them. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it, it's, it's, you know, those are games we had no right winning, but that, hey, that, what that, can I that, tell you? That's, that's, that was the other reason why I was pissed off watching that Tampa Bay-Atlanta game because I'm watching, I'm watching the Tampa Bay players I could have started at, uh, uh, for DFS and still watching Dirk Cutter find a way to lose that game to ensure that Tampa get like I I swear some of these NFL games I look at them, I'm like some of these teams are trying to lose some of these games like no one will ever admit it but it's like I'm watching some of these games I like it doesn't make a lick of sense some of the def- uh, the the play calls that I see defenses run because I'm like Atlanta had no business winning that game but they they, they pulled it out at the end yeah. Alright. Yeah, so, so we're yeah, 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 we're over running there. late, so like uh we'll 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 catch up uh later in the week to go over the rest of these playoff games. But uh you take it easy, Callie. Yeah. Okay, you do. All right. All right. Take it easy. Okay, so 
before I conclude the show, wanted to talk about what transpired yesterday for Week 17 from a DFS perspective because, you know, I made a classic, and I wouldn't say blunder, but I'll call it a blunder because, the you know, sometimes it's results-oriented, you know, in terms of uh, what goes about it in terms of the overall production. I know why it happened, but, you know, it still cost me a good bit of money, at least 50K uh, in one of the tournaments, uh, particularly on Yahoo. So uh, what ended up going down uh, was that the original, uh, for those of you who listened uh, to the show yesterday, I talked about like paths of being successful in uh, uh, this week for Week 17. It wasn't a cash game play for Week 17 because there were too many guys injured. So there were like limited amount of guys that you could really play in matchups yesterday and I talked about it like there were only two running backs I really had confidence in uh, one being Saquon Barkley one being CJ Anderson out of the quarterbacks I was looking at Big Ben Mahomes and then in terms of you know different ways to play off of that Josh Allen for the Bills and Lamar Jackson like the, it was kind of limited and then for the wide receivers I talked about the Tampa and Atlanta game but then I started talking about the Steelers game going up against the Bengals and the possibility that uh, Antonio Brown wouldn't play or would be severely limited. So the news broke that Brown was just going to be out of the game completely. I was hoping Brown was going to play, and then maybe I used Juju as a pivot play because Brown being the decoy. But I thought if Brown played outright, it might be because Brown might actually have been healthy enough. So when the news came that Brown was out, you know, I kind of shifted my focus because I knew Juju Smith-Schuster would be the complete chalk play. And, you know, the chances of Juju busting were extremely slim because the Bengals were 31st in the league against the pass, uh, had were already setting NFL records for most uh, points uh, conceded in the second quarter, first half points conceded, and... Uh, were potentially, if things broke certain ways, they were in danger of uh, actually breaking the NFL all-time single-season record for most points allowed by a defense. Like, the Bengals were absolutely a raging dumpster fire of a defense. So the chances of Juju Smith-Schuster busting were extremely slim, and the fact that the Steelers needed to win uh, and have a Ravens loss... You know, they were going to be scoreboard watching, but chances are they would have been up big and then scoreboard watching uh, by being up by three touchdowns. And then maybe the Bengals made a run in the fourth quarter for a backdoor cover. But there was never any thought from anyone that the Bengals would make a game out of this. Uh, You know, so my thinking was, you know, Juju like does his thing in the first half, puts up big numbers, gets a touchdown on like eight to eight. Seven to eight care, uh, seven to eight catches and over 130 yards, uh, and puts himself in a spot where, you know, he's putting up over 20 fantasy points, and then you bring it, uh, and that's the chalk play that you can't, you can't really get off of because so many folks are on, um, are on uh, Smith Schuster, and then you bring in James Conner as a pivot play at running back because the Steelers are up big, they're trying to run out the clock, grind it out, and and get out of there with a W and no one was really going to own Connor because Connor had a, still had a high price tag, but was against 
a bottom uh, bottom third rush defense in the Bengals that uh, uh, gave up over 100 yards rushing uh, on at least uh, 10 games this year uh, uh, and, you know, just were a terrible run defense. You know, the chances of the Bengals shutting down the Steelers' defense and the Steelers not being able to break 30, like, it was slim to none that the Steelers would not be able to uh, break 20 points. And yet still, we found ourselves in a game where the Steelers only won 16 to 13. Like, no one saw that one coming. So, when I look at how much money I left on the table in DFS by not sticking with uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, it is painful. But I, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated, but I, you know, the process still doesn't change. Like, you can have bad results sometimes, but you can't change the process because, you know, you got to think these things through in terms of a game management standpoint. Like, the chances of the Bengals actually showing up to play hard when they haven't shown up at all the entire season, you know, it was ludicrous. Like, so, yes, it's a tough loss from financial standpoint because, yeah, it would have been nice to win that kind of chunk of change, but the thought process of shifting to the Steelers players wasn't wrong because, like, sometimes you have to find leverage plays. And, yes, the Tampa game was a leverage play, but it had a significant chance of busting. The Steelers came, had a very low chance of busting, and somehow it busted. But, you know, that can happen. Like, Saquon had a better chance of busting than the Steelers uh, players did yesterday. Things like that happen in DFS. That's why it's so hard to win tournaments. Like, that's why, you know, you, you, you play cash games to build up your bankroll, and you keep going through the process because eventually you're going to break one off and like things are can uh can work out in your favor it's just one of those things where you know i had the chargers defense rolling i had cj anderson rolling i had saquon rolling josh allen was doing his thing like the lineup was there the core of the lineup was there the 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 pieces that needed to hit to like do a massive payday just needed to come through for the steelers even if the steelers didn't come through in the same vein as uh, as the Buccaneers did, it still would have been a massive haul of a day. The Steelers busting out completely was so uh, low, like it was such a low risk. That's why it's a gut punch. But you know what? Sometimes those things happen, but it's the process to put together the lineup that you kind of go off of. Like realistically, it would have paid off nine times out of 10. It just has happened that the one time the Bengals actually show up to play was in the game you actually needed the Steelers players to hit. So, you know, they had a high floor and somehow they didn't hit the floor. It happens. Uh, you know, injuries happen. Like, it happened for a number of reasons. It just so happened the Bengals showed up to play in a game that no one actually expected them to show up in. Things happen. So, I'll leave it with that. It's just one of those things where it happens You just got to kind of dust yourself off. I'll try to do it somehow and get back right back to it because, you know, we got the playoffs coming up. So there will be more tournaments to be had, more uh, more lineups to kind of go through because now that it's the playoffs and limited schedule for games, it gets a lot harder to do cash games from here on out because of the variance of how certain playoff games can go. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it there. Uh, 
we got more to talk about uh, with the fallout from uh, the college bowl games. I didn't even get into that uh, with uh, my my pop, but uh, you know, just you know, went the went the way I expected it to. Uh, not surprised to see Alabama and Clemson matching up again. It's what was expected. Uh, the UFC went the way that it, I expected it to. You know, this weekend, you know, from a pick standpoint, I did very well for myself. It's just that. I didn't get the massive payoff with DFS for the cherry on top, but you know, sometimes those things happen and you, you gotta just live with, uh, what happens sometimes and just kind of be appreciative of what you were able to kind of come to the table with. So I'll, you know, like I said, I gotta, I gotta dust myself off and get right back to it. So that's what I plan on doing. So, uh, I'll leave off the show that way. Uh, have a happy new year, everyone enjoy new year's. Uh, you know, 2019 is right around the corner, and let's make it even uh, bigger and better than 2018 was uh, for the podcast. So, for the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, I'm Dwayne Callender. Have a happy new year, and uh, see you next year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.